This is powerful, powerful stuff. And uh, Jesus has something for you today. He's got something for all of us. And, and this is the last message of this series, The Treasure Within. This is part three. And uh, Deanie talked a little bit about treasure when she was up here, just the fact that he's such a treasure, Jesus is such a treasure. But uh, some of you don't know, Deanie went on a trip to Ireland a number of years ago. And she'd always wanted to go there because that's where her great-great-grandfather lived in Cork County, Ireland. And uh, Deanie was very interested about knowing more about her great-great-grandfather. She went to the courthouse. It was the first place that she went to. And uh, she was not prepared for what she found out. The, uh, she introduced herself in the name of her great-great-grandfather, and the courthouse staff did research and found out that there was an estate that had not been claimed. And it was still in his name, and being that her father had passed, her mother passed, her brother and her sister, she was in line for this estate and, and the inheritance that came with it. Um, they just asked that she give proof of her identity and her ancestry. And uh, this, this thing happening after, I mean, after she'd gone through what she went through with her, her father passing and her stepmother gave her a box of books and some pocket knives, that was her inheritance from her father, and for her, when her mother passed, her stepfather pretty much just took her out of the will. And so this was something so amazing, it was beyond her wildest dreams, and then something happened. She woke up. <laughs> it was a dream. She said her first thought was, Bummer, that was a dream. <laughs> I was getting pretty enthralled with it myself. I was just like, wow, this is awesome. But see, no earthly inheritance or lottery prize will ever come close to comparing with the treasure of what Almighty God has given to us. It's eternal. It's, it's amazing. It's an eternal inheritance. So it's an eternal gift from the creator and sustainer of the, the God who created everything, the universe, and who transformed our spirit. So let's pray, now that I got that story out of the way. Father, we thank you today for your faithfulness. God, we ask that you would anoint and help us to hear clearly and to perceive accurately all that you've done for us, in us, and through us. And we thank you for that. And all the people said, amen. amen. This, uh, this verse we've had in every one of these messages, it's 2 Corinthians 4, 6. And it's in the, the Passion Translation. And Paul said, we are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's and not ours. So, so vast is the difference and the contrast that we have here between the clay char jars and this amazing treasure. But we're just going to do a really quick review. In your spirit, you've got the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. 
However, it's possible to have this power and not see it manifested in your life. Uh, last Sunday, we saw that your soul is like that valve between the two pipes, your, your flesh and the spirit. And uh, if, the, if the valve stays closed in your soul, in other words, if your mind's not being renewed by the word of God, then the power of God cannot come from the spirit into the rest of our body and into the rest of our life. See, all that resurrection life and power can just stay locked up inside until we get to that spiritual mirror. The Bible talks about to understand our spirit, you can't feel it. All, that which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. You can't feel or perceive what's happening in your spirit. And so we have to go to the mirror of God's word that tells us what is in our spirit, what our spirit is like. And there's a reason why many people don't understand this because they've been so used to living life just out of their senses. What we can see, what we can hear, what we can smell, what we can taste, what we can touch. And if we're dominated by that, we miss out on the life of God because the life of God comes as the soul comes into alignment with the spirit. But we've got to know what the spirit's like. It's so important. This is, this is huge. Otherwise, we can be like these people that just go from day to day living by their senses. They're carnal. I, just, I can just hear it. I, I hear people say this. I, this is going to be a miserable day. I hate Mondays. And the people around me are so annoying. <laughs> and my nose is running, and I, I, I'm sure I'm catching a cold. And it happens to me. Every time this year, I, I stay sick during this entire time, every, every single year. And if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. See, death and life is in the power of the tongue. And what we speak is powerful in releasing what's in the spirit into, through our soul and out through our body and the rest of our life, the overflow. Because when your soul agrees with your spirit, the life of God in you will be manifested through your spirit into the rest of your being. Then you can experience healing and deliverance and, and peace and joy and victory, and life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you would have it overflowing, abundant. See, that's his desire. That's God's desire for us to, to have this life that spills over and brings life to people who are around us. Abundant life. Then we saw that in Philemon 6, it says that that the sharing of, of your faith may become effective. In other words, that it will work by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. As you speak of what Christ has placed in you, it actually releases and causes your faith to become effective. Like, what are you doing? You're speaking about something you can't really see, you can't really feel, but God has done these things in your spirit. He's done these things in your spirit. He's put these things in your life. And the enemy of your soul 
wants to wear you down. He wants to tear you down with negativity, past faults, past mistakes, past failure. Have you been there? Can I just tell you, that is not the work of the Holy Spirit to remind you of every wrong thing you've ever done. How many of you know when it's under the blood, it's under the blood? It's in the past. It's forgiven. It's released. It's under the blood in Jesus' name. God is positive. Faith arises by speaking the word of God. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. If you look it up in the Greek, it's actually Christos. It's Christ. And hearing by the word of Christ. That's where faith comes. My grandson Cooper at, at two, a little over two years old, went through a phase. He's a sweet little boy. And uh, he's, he's a large He's three now, but even as a two-year-old, he was large. He was large, and you kind of expect more out of little kids, even when they're larger. And he went through this phase where he, uh, I correct him and say, Cooper, don't do this or that, or you can't do this, or stop doing that. And he would look at me and goes, you're a bad papa. I said, no, 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 Cooper, I'm not a bad papa. I'm a good papa. No, you're a bad papa. I got really animated when he said it, too. I just, and so, you know, I just kind of would keep going and, and realizing that I was not a bad papa, right? Because you can't, when somebody comes against you, especially a two-year-old, you can't fall apart like a $2 suitcase, right? You got to keep going somehow. And he, he got out of that stage, but I just want to encourage you, when, when things start to go south, stay on top. Don't let, don't let someone's words defeat you. Don't let someone's words destroy you or, or cause you to go into, you know, feeling bad. But just uh, realize that there's a shield of faith for every fiery dart of the wicked one. In Ephesians, the third chapter, verses 17 through 19 Paul says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. I've, this is so important. Rooted and grounded in love. And he goes on to say this. This is pretty amazing. It says that you'll be rooted and grounded in love that you may be able to comprehend with, with all the saints this is not something we just only do on our own. It is really easy to love all the people in India. Don't you think so? All the people in, in Africa. I, I love those people in Africa. Don't you love those people? Well, it's talking about the saints. There's a little saying that was, to live above with the saints we love. Oh, that will be glory. But to live below with the saints we know, that's another story. <laughs> What's the width, the length, the depth, the height? To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. In other words, to know the unknowable. Listen, to that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Are you serious? That in love you can do, you can, you can know the unknowable. I mean, don't you think God sets the bar pretty high here? 
that you can be full. I've had a lot of people tell me I'm full of it, but I don't know if that, that's what they meant. With all the saints, the love of the revelation, the love of Christ will determine, will determine how much we experience of God, of his love and his life. Do you know your spirit is actually, as a believer, a born-again believer, is identical to Jesus? Did you know that one-third of you is wall-to-wall Holy Spirit? That one-third of you doesn't need to be redeemed, doesn't need to be remodeled or restored. That's your spirit. That's the treasure in the clay jar of your life. I'm going to talk about being stilled in just a minute. It's amazing. But I want, to, I want you to understand this is we're into the understanding the mirror. We're looking in the mirror this morning. 1 John 4, 17 says, By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment. Because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Not what Jesus is now, we will become someday in the sweet by and by. But it's saying that right now, right where we are, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. How can that be? It's because it's our spirit. It's our reborn spirit with the Holy Spirit together inside of us which is identical to what Jesus has. You say, how do you know that? Because I'm looking in the mirror of God's word. I can't feel it. Some days I wake up and I don't feel saved right away. Amen? You ever been there? We don't feel all this. And then in Ephesians 4, 24, it says, and to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within, the glorious Christ within you, as your new life and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness, and you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. What's this saying? It's saying that inside of you is Christ with your spirit, which is totally transformed. It's amazing. And then 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Let's look in, the, look in the mirror once again. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is mingled into one spirit with him. Wow. That means in your spirit. Jesus, the spirit of God, is in your spirit. Like I said, one-third of you is really, really doing great. <laughs> Okay, one-third. And then we talked, I'm going to talk to you about being sealed. We've been looking in the mirror, but I want you to see in the mirror what it is to be sealed by the Spirit. In Ephesians 1.13, it says, In him you also trusted. How many of you know that being saved is more than just having a mental assent? As, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Yeah, that's good. No. The word believe there actually means to trust in, to adhere to. 
So when we receive Christ, we have trusted the word that was given, and we've been born again. And now on the inside of us, the Holy Spirit has actually sealed that area. It says, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, in the New Testament, seals were to guarantee the contents of a package was complete and not defective. Such a, a seal would be placed on a package. The product had been thoroughly examined. It had to be thoroughly inspected to make sure it was fully intact and complete. And if it were broken or defective or faulty, the, the guarantor would, would not be able to put a seal on it. The seal was proof that the product was impeccable. It was ready for shipping. And the sender poured the hot wax on the flap of the envelope or the string that went around the box. Afterward, he would press the insignia ring into the wax, leaving a visible, distinctive mark. Uh, this insignia alerted people to the fact that this was a powerful or wealthy person because they usually had the signet rings and that had a really good chance of making it all the way to where it was supposed to go. But the Bible says you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That means when you're sealed by him, that means there's nothing defective in you. When God made you new, the last thing he did was check you through thoroughly, through to through, and inspected you before placing that seal of the Holy Spirit upon you. Ooh, this is good. Paul says that you belong to the Lord. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. For God to seal you means that you're God-approved. That your contents are in order. That you're not damaged goods. In fact, you're approved and you're endorsed and you're recognized and you're affirmed and you're sanctified and you're notarized by God. This is really good news. I love this. You know, when, when people can foods, I don't do a lot of canning myself. So I don't really speak from experience, but I've watched my wife do some canning. I don't know if that counts. But they, they seal the jar with uh, that paraffin. This makes an airtight seal that preserves and protects the food within. It keeps the airborne impurities from getting inside and causing the food to rot and, and decay, right? Well, think about this. When you're born again, it's almost like a, uh, you're immediately encased, like vacuum-packed by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of preservation. Because when you fail in your life and, uh, you know, you mess up after you've been saved even, that way the rottenness and defileness and uncleanness, it might come to your body and your soul but it doesn't penetrate your spirit. See, the Holy Spirit seals in the good and keeps out the bad. Sealed. 
the importance of the seal. So, well, you, that's pretty cool because I can just live and do whatever I want now. No, that's not the point. Because that's, that's counterproductive to abundant living. But to understand that it's not based on your performance from day to day to week to week, month to month, year to year. It's based on your position in Christ. That in his sight, you got to see it from his sight. Because he's sealed you. You've got the spirit of the living God. You've got your spirit that are mingled together. See, how do you know? I looked in the mirror. I saw it. The Holy Spirit himself is the seal. And you know, in symbolism in the scripture, a seal always acknowledges a finished transaction. Finished, sealed. It speaks of ownership. What does the Bible say in 1 Corinthians 6? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have of God, and you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. You're bought. You're, it's ownership. God says you belong to me. You belong to him. Not just you, but I mean all of you. Lori was getting a little nervous over here. <laughs> so, so there's this finished transaction. Didn't Jesus say on the cross, it was just a little bit more? Oh, wait, he didn't say that, did he? He said, it is finished. You know that word finished there? Tetaliastis means this. It means paid in full. Paid in full. He can send it. He can put the seal on it because it's paid in full. Ownership and there's security. Oh, man, we were just so, I tell you, we were raised in such an insecure faith. You know, the, 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 the movie, A Thief in the Night, all about the rapture. Man, you better be living right on. You better be just giving it all for Jesus every single day because the rapture could come and you'll be left behind. You know, I know one day Benjamin came home and we weren't there. He thought we would be there. And looked around. He just had this feeling that the rapture had taken place. You know, so what he did, he started calling some of the guys in the church that he thought, man, if, 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 if that guy is gone, I'm in trouble. And if he's still around, I'm okay. Yeah, Dale Anderson and Walt. Bowman, he called those guys and, whew, dear Lord, it hasn't taken place. But you know, insecurity, I mean, think about it. We are bombarded on television and radio about how vulnerable we are to identity theft. How many of you noticed that? How many of you know what LifeLock is? Yeah, it's one of the top ten. Security systems that you can pay for. But according to a recent survey, consumers who were victims of identity fraud in the United States, 16.7 million last year. Who's most likely to steal your identity? Credit card fraud. Number two, employment or tax-related fraud. Number three, phone or utility fraud, utilities. 
And then the fourth one is, of course, bank fraud. You have people calling you, oh, we need your information again. You know, we, 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 we're changing something. Don't give it to them. Because banks don't do it that way. But the worst kind of identity fraud happens to Christians. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He doesn't want you to understand who you are in Christ. He doesn't want you to understand how powerful you are in Christ. How the spirit of the living God's living on the inside of you to impart and refresh people around you. Hallelujah. We can just give Jesus praise, can't we? Mm. Man, it just feels so good to know. What's God think of you today, Mike? Oh, he loves me. He's over the moon about me. How do you know that? Because that's what he thinks about Jesus. And, and I'm in Jesus, and Jesus is in me, and, and when the Father looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ in my life, in my spirit, because he always speaks spirit to spirit. When you understand spirit, soul, and body, you know that it, it was your spirit that changed. Your soul has to be renewed. Your body, it's got issues, right? The older you get, the more issues we've got, right? Amen. We're just going to keep patching it together until we get to glory and get the, redeem, the redemption of a body. Amen? How many are thankful you can still move around a little bit? <laughs> yeah. That's why we need, we need resurrection power for healing, too, don't we? You see, it's been sealed, the Holy Spirit, so that no sin can penetrate it. The righteousness you were born again with stays uncontaminated since God is spirit. He always deals with you spirit to spirit, so your relationship and your experience is not based on your performance. It's based on your position in Christ. And we lived like it was performance all through my Christian life up until about eight years ago. Performance, performance, performance. Felt really good some days when we had done a lot for God. And then other days we were under condemnation. Why? I hadn't read my Bible. I yelled at my wife. I kicked the dog. <laughs> no, I didn't really kick the dog. I did yell at my wife, though. Colossians 1.21 says this. I love this. How many of you just love the Word of God? Isn't, isn't the Word of God amazing? I mean, folks, we got a, we've got a book given by God Almighty called The Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, right? Colossians 1. This includes you who were once away from, far away from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself. I love it. I love it when people realize that a lot of people go, well, when I found the Lord, you didn't find the Lord. He, he not only found you, but he drew you in with his own presence. You're not, you're not sitting here by some freak accident this morning. Man, I thought I was going to that other church. No. 
You're in this one. Not a freaky accident. He brought you through, I mean, unto himself. He's reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless. Ooh, did you hear that? You are holy and you're blameless in your soul. No, not your soul. You're not that blameless. You're holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. What are you talking about? Your spirit. Your spirit, man. See, these scriptures don't make sense unless you understand spirit, soul, and body. Don't make sense. I, I just gonna, I'm going to read these fairly quickly. Hebrews 9, 12. Because, man, there's no reason for us to be insecure about our, our salvation. I'm t- I tell you, the days for living in this fear and dread, and one day we're going to give an account. It's not meant to be a dread in your life. Hebrews 9, 12 says, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves. How many are thankful you didn't have to bring a heifer this morning? I'm really thankful. I would not want to do all that butchering either, for sure. But that was the Old Testament. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Not till you blew it to one time too many, but forever. Hebrews 9, 14 through 15, for by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That's why he's the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance. God has promised them. It's not like the one in Ireland This one is eternal. It's real. Hebrews 9, 26, if it had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again and ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice once for all time. Hebrews 9, 28 So also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. Listen to this. He will come again not to deal with our sins. Why? Because they've been wiped away. They're gone. He's taken them away at the cross. They were taken away. They weren't just covered over. They were taken away. Never to be remembered against you ever, ever, ever again. He will come again not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. So our doctrine inspired fear and condemnation in the past, the missing of the rapture, Making sure, I remember being on a plane just being a little bit nervous of making sure I had everything taken care of, everything confessed. Because we were taught if it wasn't confessed, it wasn't forgiven. And that's just not what the Bible teaches. 
Hebrews 10, 12 says, But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Did you ever notice that in the tabernacle and the temple, in all of the things that the priest did, there, there were no chairs. There were no seats. No, why, why didn't they give him a seat? Because they always had to continue offering sacrifices. There was no time just to sit down and rest while they were doing all that. But what did Jesus do when he did that? He went and sat down at the right hand of the Father because it was finished. It was finished. Folks, it's finished. You don't have to get born again, again, and again, and again. It's finished. It's finished. I love that. But our high priest, Hebrews 10, 12, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect, made perfect, made perfect those who were being made holy. And then at the end of Hebrews, he writes, To the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. To God, the judge of all. To the spirits of just men made perfect. Anybody says, you're, oh, you're just, you're just a sinner. You're, just, you're a sinner saved by grace. That's not even true. Not even close. Seventy-two times in the New Testament, the Bible says you're a saint. You're called apart unto God. <laughs> How many of you remember S&H green stamps? Okay. You pretty much got to be over 50. As a kid, I watched my dad and mom collect S&H green stamps. Dini and I were talking about this. And uh, she used to do the little stamps. She'd put them in the booklets. But you would go to stores or, 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 or gas stations, and they'd give you these green stamps. And you'd get the little booklets, and, and each page had 50 little spots where stamps went. And so... I don't know, for some reason, my dad got just a whole bunch of them. And I remember we just, we went to town, you know, putting these books together, the stamps. And, and then my dad went to the S&H Green Stamp, and they called it the Redemption Center. <laughs> and it was so cool because he got camping gear. He got tents and sleeping bags and and camp stove and everything. It was just like the coolest thing. Oh, we're going to go camping now because we, uh, we cashed in at the Redemption Center. Don't you just love that? Hallelujah. Now, your spirit doesn't need to be redeemed, but your soul is going to be completed. And your body, we definitely need new bodies. And we're going to get new bodies. How many of you know that? It says, this corruptible shall put on incorruption. No more wobbly knees. 
No more pain. No more infirmity. No more discomfort. No more fear, doubt, dread. Why? Because we're getting ready for a redemption center visit. We weren't excited about all those stamps, but we were excited about what all those stamps did when you put them in the right place and you brought the books in. Danny told me that she had to do all those stamps in the books, but she never got to, never got to dictate what, to, what they get to purchase. But folks, I got to tell you something really good. 1 John 3, 3 2 says, Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. Listen to this. Listen to this. But we do know that we will be like him. We will be like him, for we will see him as he is. We will have the same kind of glorified body that Jesus has. Heirs of God, join heirs with Jesus Christ. Same kind of body. Our soul will be completely whole. Won't have to be renewed anymore, friends. One thing that we won't be able to do in heaven is we won't be able to witness to people about the goodness of God. We won't be able to witness to see people get saved, come to Christ, will we? That'd be too late for that. As we come into March, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. I've noticed that, that there are groups of people that are starting to go over to the war room to pray together. I know there's Bonnie, Val, Arnie, and a bunch of other, yeah, people that, and, and last time I looked, there were about eight or nine ladies that came in on Tuesday morning, 10 o'clock, and there's other people that are coming in, and they're bringing people to pray together. The month of March, we're going to have prayer meetings in that week, the 23rd through the 27th. Every night of the week, we'll have prayer meetings. We're believing God for a mighty move of God, and we're just cooperating with what the Holy Spirit, we feel the Holy Spirit wants us to do. Would you stand with me this morning? I was, I was in the prayer room recently, in the war room recently, and I looked up on the, the resolution page in there. It's, it's framed in. Rich, Rich Zinn did a great job on, on those. And it said this after, we have a great God who's for us, and he's given us power and authority, whereas he's given us power and authority to do his will, and whereas God has a great destiny for us, his people of General Christian Center, and whereas... Included in this destiny is a mighty move of God in our midst. And whereas this visitation will bring salvation and deliverance to many, be it therefore resolved that as a church family, we will march. That's the word that caught my attention. We will march in our, de in our destiny, to our destiny, in the power of the Holy Spirit. I saw that word march. I went to the Bible. I looked up. I found like five references to marching in the Old Testament. And two of those references had to do with the Hebrew word. One of them was that when God marches through the land. The other one had to do with a very aggressive march. 
And it's not like you're kind of marching until you have an obstacle. It speaks of you just go right through it. You just keep going. It's like this major intensity, and nothing's going to stop us. Kind of like nothing's going to stop us because we're going to march into our destiny in the power of the Holy Spirit. And be it further resolved that we will circle these prophetic promises from God with prayer. We will circle the dreams our God has given us with faith. We will circle with gifts of the Holy Spirit that we might see his great miracles. And we will pray for the harvest of souls to come in and we'll thank our God and we'll give him all the glory forever and ever. Can we just give him glory right now? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. So today, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you that you show us what what our spirit's like through the mirror of your word. We thank you that we've been sealed, and we thank you that we're secure in you. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. You're an awesome God, and we're so blessed to be your people, the sheep of your pasture. (laughs) We will enter into your gates with thanksgiving, into your courts with praise. We will be thankful to you, and we will bless your name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Come on, one more time. Let's just give him a huge praise today. All generations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for your blessing. We thank you that you've already lifted up your face of blessing upon each and every one of us. And we are free today because of your love, because of your goodness, and because of your faithfulness. We give you praise. Amen and amen. God bless you. Remember, if you're signed up on GrowTrack, come on over. We want you there. Have an awesome day.